Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Much anticipated guest, um, maybe often known as the toast of Brooklyn Nets Twitter, is joining me now on the West Her Hotline, and it's Mina Kimes. Mina, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you're kind of West Coast, we're East Coast, so good morning to you. I can still say that even though it's 1 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, it's 10 here. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for making time for us. Very exciting. Um, so first and foremost, I figured we'd start with the really hard-hitting stuff first and then just get casual as it goes along. So Jeopardy announced to, uh, earlier this week that Joe Buck is getting a shot at this. And I've really, I got to know your opinion on this. It feels to me like Joe Buck is sort of the ringer for this, like he was meant for this role. And I'm just wondering how he could find the time to do that and everything else he's doing. But I'm wondering the fit that you believe Joe Buck might be for Jeopardy? I think he'll probably crush it. I, I, I mean, I think he's incredible at everything he does and has that kind of blend of hosting skills and personality to be great at Jeopardy. Um, I'm, I will say I'm team LeVar Burton. I'd like to see him get a shot, like a lot of people, I think, on the internet. But uh, I imagine Joe will be probably one of the better guest hosts we'll see on Jeopardy. So I did, and just briefly before the show, I did take a look at uh, a Reddit thread um, that actually created some Vegas odds for you to be the next Jeopardy host, um, but you you don't see that in your future, no? I think I'm a, uh, a long shot, but you know what? <laughs> Josh Allen was a long Correct. shot going into last season, and if he can make that kind of historic leap, well... Not to pander to the local crowd, but why can't I? That's that's exactly right. Well, listen, I want to talk a lot of this draft with you, and I've I've done a good job of not ambushing people on telling me exactly what they think is going to happen to the third overall pick. But here in Buffalo, we're all we're waiting till thirty, so there's not a lot to talk about. Everybody mm-hmm. knows what the Jets are probably doing at this point. Um, that third pick has been the one that has been widely talked about as one that none of us can quite figure out. I just had Joe Caposoro. Um, who covers the Jets, and basically our our thought process here is there's no way it's a fluid situation, right? Like, you don't trade up all of the assets that that 49ers team, who's, for all accounts, kind of like right there and maybe that quarterback away, you don't trade those pieces and move up in the draft and wait for a pro day to determine who, which quarterback you're taking of the remaining three. So in your mind, listen, I've watched most of your NFL Live um, features on this and, and sort of the back and forth that exists in the media world about this pick, but... I know where I sort of stand on like my gut feeling. I'm really interested in your gut feeling now that you have information. We're two weeks away from the draft. Like where you really think that third pick is going to be? I think it's going to be Mac Jones. Um, really? You're asking me what I think will That's happen, your gut? not what I think should happen. 
Well, uh, you know, after following the draft and how things shake out uh, for quite some time now, um, I've learned that reporters are the ones you should listen to mm, yeah. uh, more than analysts. I think there's a lot of people who uh, disagree with uh, Mac Jones there from a football standpoint, from watching the players, the prospects, um, and I respect that. But the reporters who have covered this and have generally been right on uh, this particular team and I guess where things kind of fall in the draft have all pointed to Mac Jones. And so until I see, you know, um, one of those reporters, I think, change, shift gears, I'm inclined to think that they're going to take Mac for the reasons, um, you know, we've heard or we heard the second that Mac was first linked to San Francisco, which is Kyle Shanahan, the coach, his predilection for a certain kind of quarterback mm-hmm. and scheme fit. You know, Mina, I I think about it, and I, I like kind of like your point about the distinction between the reporter versus the analyst. And listen, at the end of the day, you can analyze any player and form whatever opinion you want, but the only actual opinions that matter are Kyle Shanahan's and John Lynch's. And you know, we can say till we're all blue in the face, my God, how could someone view Mac Jones as a better NFL pro prospect than a Justin Fields or Trey Lance? But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter our opinion on it. It just matters in the people that are going to be picking. And I I find it super interesting the discourse in the conversation that does exist starting with Mac Jones the prospect but I think for the better part of this whole draft process I think there's been the the analyst side of this has been so one skewed one way or the other there really doesn't seem like there's been a lot of time for people to just kind of take a sort of median stance of understanding why someone might want Mac Jones instead it's sort of like I know Mac Jones is the worst quarterback that would ever be taken in the top five. Why are you doing that? And also, Justin Fields can't get to his second read. There's just this such extreme discourse. I'm wondering if, in in a less social media world, what the actual maybe tempered conversation would be about these two. And I'm just like looking at it, how far apart are they really? Um, I think that the tempered take is that all five of the quarterbacks who are projected to go into the first round are really good. Mm. I think this is the best quarterback draft uh, maybe ever, frankly, based on what we've seen out of these guys in college. And Matt Jones, like I personally think uh, I would not have traded that sort of uh, draft capital to move up for him. And I do prefer, you know, Fields and Lance, but I also think he's a really good quarterback. I mean, it, I don't know how you can watch Alabama and not be impressed by what he did there. And granted, you know, he obviously benefited a lot from scheme and, and the skill players around him, but, um, you know, he's incredibly accurate, throws with touch, anticipation, has a quick release. Those are qualities that um, suggest he'll have some success in the NFL. Uh, now, the difference between him and a Fields or Lance is sort of, and you've heard this already, I'm sure, a million times, the second reaction ability, mm-hmm. the athleticism, um, the traits, and for me, and again, to kind of take it back to Buffalo, the success of Josh Allen and Justin Herbert over the last two years, two quarterbacks that, frankly, I didn't see it when they, either of them were in college, um, that would lead me to bet more on quarterbacks with traits and tools and that you can develop them at the next level. But going to Mac Jones would be a move in the opposite direction, yeah. which that's, to me, why I wouldn't do it. Mina Kimes here on the Western Hotline. She's a uh, NFL analyst at ESPN. Um, and I, I think part of that conversation goes towards the, I think, idea that 
there's a good chance Josh Allen and Justin Herbert are going to get scouting departments fired in the next five to ten years mm-hmm. because of that exact mindset. And I'm wondering, are we watching sort of a peak and valley type situation with how you value what part of a quarterback you, that you should care about, right? Like the toolsy yeah. quarterback is now sort of in vogue because of Josh Allen, because of Justin Herbert, but the Bill Parcells model is I need three years of starter, right? Like I need all of these statistics. I need a really good uh, touchdown to interception ratio in college. I need them to see him against power five conferences and playing against NFL players every Saturday and how that discussion has changed. I wonder what your opinion is like how, I guess the line that you have to carefully walk as an evaluator where you're being paid and your your opinion matters in an NFL locker room or in an NFL front office, like how careful you have to be in that discussion. And do you see this maybe, maybe at some point going back the other way? And like, are we just going to kind of always be, this is a five-year trend on what people want in quarterbacks. And then it just kind of changes back to the mean. Like, I, I, I guess the, the long and short of the question is, do you believe that this is always going to be a fluid thing on how people evaluate quarterbacks and things are going to change based on what offenses are being run? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, if San Francisco does take Mac, as I suggest, I think they will, that would imply that there is not a massive change in the way <laughs> sure. teams yeah, right. are evaluating or that this sort of concept of prioritizing traits over production um, isn't really happening. I'd also add, by the way, uh, for example, it fields – uh, and, and to a lesser degree, Lance, who I can talk about and would be, I think, the more comparable quarterback to Josh Allen. He has the production. He did play at an extremely high level. He is incredibly accurate. So, um, you know, betting on traits in his case doesn't mean ignore, betting on like this raw quarterback who played in a bad offense, um, you know, like I think Herbert and Allen to some degree. I think Lance is probably more comparable uh, because he was in a run-first offense at a very small school and mm-hmm. had so few reps. But um, it really comes down to the particular team and their timeline, when they expect the quarterback to play, and what they want from him. Uh, and I think that really, again, the Niners case really shows you there's just still a very high variance between teams and what they're looking for and how quickly they think they can and will compete. I want to shift gears for my last couple of questions here to the Bills, Mina, and I found myself maybe even guilty of this is overvaluing retaining players because I think the Bills fans got very excited the fact that I think most people had turned the page on Matt Milano I I know I did I just thought there was no scenario in the world that Matt Milano's back here in Buffalo and I thought the only way that was going to happen was because of COVID and maybe he takes a one-year deal to reestablish his value and get to the 2022 offseason that was the only scenario played out in my head that that was that he was coming back so the fact that they re-signed pretty much everybody they wanted to re-sign I found to be an incredible win for this organization and I think it speaks to the credibility that they've built, the Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, but like, how much do you believe? Maybe I'm overvaluing a little bit of just kind of running it back with, for the most part, the same team, knowing that I think they just really, and this wasn't just the quarterback, this wasn't just the defense. It felt like when I watched both matchups against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills just weren't good enough to beat them. And I don't know if they play 10 times, if the Bills win one of those, and I guess that's all that matters. If they win one time in the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game and you're in the Super Bowl, then nobody cares that you would have lost the nine other times. But is the retention that the Bills saw with a lot of the good players that they brought back, is it enough in your mind to say, yeah, this Bills team is an AFC, cha- AFC East champion again, and they should be right in it with Kansas City? And my last question being, are they going to be good enough to beat them? 
I think with Kansas City, you know, it's a little bit, it's complicated by the fact that, the, you know, the Bills have a better roster top to bottom. There's no question in my mind. But Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes, and that's always going to be, that's going to be the debate, forget Buffalo, between any team yeah. and Kansas City. I think the Super Bowl wasn't really informative because of what happened to the Chiefs' offensive line. But Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He's the best quarterback I've seen in quite some time. And so the question for Buffalo then becomes, how good does your roster have to be? How good does Josh Allen have to be when you're playing that type of quarterback? Um, you know, I think if the Kansas City offensive line, if it was as bad as it was in the Super Bowl versus Buffalo, maybe – you're talking about a different situation, but also I think Buffalo would need bit, a bit more edge rush to take advantage yeah. of it the way that um, the Bucks did. And it's no coincidence. I think pretty much everyone is looking at the Bills going to the draft is looking at the edge rushers for that reason, for because of the lack of depth along the defensive line. There's really not much you have to do in offense other than add just depth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to your question, what what is it going to take? Well, Josh Allen needs to continue the sort of trajectory he's on. I think, you know, he took a little bit of a step back in that championship game. Um, but if he plays the level he did during the regular season, that's all you need from him. The fact that the Bills were able to retain their coordinators is obviously tremendous. And then, you know, improving that pass rush, um, it, it really just comes down to a game-to-game basis. Josh Allen having a good day- game and Patrick Mahomes not having his best game would be what it would take, right. frankly. And that happens. It's the NFL. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. But with Buffalo, again, the roster's so complete, you're really just adding for depth most part at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. And I guess I, the last thing I want to ask you is, because I, my buddy who's often on the show is Marcel Louis-Jacques, and Marcel has really, really almost making people mad uh, on this Travis Etienne <laughs> train, right? Where everybody, right. the common consensus is, it's bad business to draft running backs in the first round. And whether or not we share that or you believe that and I don't or vice versa, it doesn't really matter for the conversation as much as it is if you, if the Bills decided that Najee Harris or Travis Etienne were the guy that they determined was the best available at 30 and we are not in the business of reaching for needs, we want to draft the best available player and there's no question Mm -hmm. Najee Harris is that guy. If the Bills were to draft a Najee Harris, and I kind of want to zero in on him in particular, does that add an element to this offense that would make you think that although they may not want to run with more volume, if they ran with more efficiency and effectiveness, man, the Bills could be a really scary team if they have two aspects, the pass and the run, that people just can't seem to get a, get a cue on and stop? Like, would you believe that maybe even though it's a running back and he's not going to get 25 touches a game, that maybe he could be a difference maker of this team getting over the hump against a team like Kansas City. I know it's, I'm asking you, if the Bills take a running back, could they be better than Kansas City? And I think that's, in a vacuum, a dumb question. But if you look at it in more of a nuanced way of just saying, if the Bills are more efficient as a running team, like what that could mean for them as being better overall. I think it would help, undeniably. I'm a really big fan of Najee Harris's game, but I think it would help more to bolster the edge rush there, even if mm-hmm. you thought Harris was the best, De facto best player available, available. At, yeah. at his position. Yeah, I, I just think when you look at the draft, you have to think about relative value. Um, and if I was Buffalo, given the needs, given what it actually takes to compete with Kansas City, which isn't just, okay, incremental additions on offense, but it, there's balance to it. You know, I mentioned earlier the Bucks were able to take advantage of some of the issues with the Chiefs' uh, offensive line because of their pass rush. Um, if I was Buffalo, I would rather have a edge rusher, 
uh, like a Jalen Phillips, for example, out of Miami, and then take a back later in the draft than uh, running back and no top-tier edge rush, especially given what I perceive to be kind of the drop-off from that first tier of edge rushers in this class. So I, I, I love Marcel, but I would not take a running back. I, I know. I also love Marcel, and I'm going to end up going to like brunch with him tomorrow, and he's going to probably read me out for this segment. But that it's that's neither here nor there. Mina, thank you so much for hopping on. Um, I was really excited to have you on, been wanting to do this for a while. So thank you so much for making some time for me and for uh, for the folks here in Buffalo. Really enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully we could do it again sometime. I, I Like I said, I really Really enjoyed the segment. Your insight is top-notch and uh, really enjoy your work. Appreciate it. Thank you.